Subway Series preview edition of the Nosebleeds podcast. Alongside Jimmy Sullivan, Emmanuel Barbari with you. Yankees beat reporter over here. Jimmy, our Mets beat reporter across the way. Jimmy, it's an exciting time. We get some intrigue built into the month of June. We, we do, and you know, we were talking about this before. There was a chance the game was going to get rained out tonight. They have decided that they're going to play the game, so no split stadium doubleheader or any of that nonsense. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Jason Vargas on the mound for the Mets, one of the best pitchers in the league uh, since that horrendous uh, start in Atlanta. <laughs> no, really. 1.85 ERA in his last seven starts. And he's coming off that complete game shutout heroic. I'm going to be telling my grandkids about that one because that was unbelievable. Every inning you're thinking, all right, he's got one more, and then it's one more. And now ever <laughs> since then, Mickey Calloway's decided to push his starters. So yeah. now you have Steven Matz throwing 100 pitches, Noah Syndergaard fighting to stay in ball games. So it looks like the Mets have adopted that let's put, put – well, they don't really have an option. Uh, they don't really have an option to push their starting pitchers right now, and Mickey Calloway seems to have fit into that mold. Well, I think he's also scared because when Tuesday night against the Giants, when they were when Noah Syndergaard was doing pretty well, and he pulled them out, and Noah Syndergaard was like, let me finish it, and then two batters later, the game's tied. I think he's a little gun-shy after that where he's saying, okay, I'm going to leave my starters in, and you know what? I'm going to lose that way. And so far, since then, they've won four out of five. So, hey, I mean, you go with what works, right? Well, let's start with the pitching matchups for this series. Jason Vargas, you mentioned the immortal Jason Vargas going for the New York Mets. He currently sports a 3.57 ERA, which you wouldn't have thought possible even a couple weeks ago. Vargas enters this start as the Mets ace, and Masahiro Tanaka goes for the Yankees, and he's been a typical Tanaka, a string of four or five great outings coupled with a dud where he allows seven runs in four innings and allows two or three home runs, so... Tanaka's been steady for the Yankees, but always one unsteady start. Coupled in that, he just had a newborn baby, so congratulations to the Tanaka family. He's activated off the paternity list. If there was one thing with the Mets that you would like addressed at this stage of the season, entering the Subway Series, about 40% of the way home, Jimmy, from your Mets perspective, what would it be? Bullpen. Uh, Bullpen's been really bad. Uh, And it's stabilized a little bit in the last series against Colorado, but... You know, past a couple main guys, you got Edwin Diaz, obviously, as your closer, Robert Gesellman, Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo's a guy I love. He can pitch two, three innings. He can kind of be that stopper whenever you need it. Almost a little bit like, and they don't use him like this, and I kind of wish they would. Kind of like what the Indians did with Andrew Miller a couple years ago. He can be that type of guy. But once you get past that, you've got Jerry's Familia with an ERA north of six. Drew Gagneau really should not be pitching past the 6th or 7th inning in games because he's just not that good. Hector Santiago is really just an extra arm in that bullpen. Whereas as you look over to the other side, you know this as well as anybody with the Yankees, probably the best bullpen of all time. Right. You have a dud here (laughs) and there, but there was a stretch when the Yankees were able to rattle off 30 out of 40 wins. The Yankee bullpen was lights out and you have four top end arms you could go to that's excluding Dylan Batances who could be back sometime within the next month or so although he just experienced a setback four elite relievers and the Mets that's just something that they lack and it's gotten to a point with Mickey Calloway where some of these bullpen moves just can't be backed up where he's apologizing to Noah Syndergaard for pulling him from games and I don't like to put too much of the blame on Mickey Calloway for what he's done this season. I'm sure from your perspective, they don't necessarily have the arms to get it done. So 
It, when you get the ball in the hands of Seth Lugo, a guy who you think you can trust, or you get the ball in L.A. to Edwin Diaz with a lead, that's your job as the manager. So Mickey Calloway may feel the need to apologize to a starting pitcher, but I just don't think his relievers have been backing him up. There's there's one remark that sticks with me, and it was on Wednesday night when Vargas pitched the complete game, and he threw 117 pitches, and Mickey Calloway pushed him into the ninth. And that was the night after the Noah Syndergaard debacle where they give up the lead and they wind up losing in, in extras. Mickey Calloway said, you know, we can't overlook the fact that, you know, we needed something like this. And then he rattled <laughs> off that creepy laugh. Yeah, well. He's like, now I can sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not like Kawhi Leonard, but you know what I'm right. talking about. Close but, enough. <laughs> but I thought that was fascinating because, you know, Mets starters kind of need to go six, seven innings, and that also subjects them to going a third or a fourth time through the order where we've seen the numbers on that. When guys go deeper into games, the numbers get worse. With third or fourth time through the order, the averages are really high. So the Yankees have the luxury of telling their starters, hey, we need four innings or five innings out of you. Just get us to a point where we have the lead and we can throw it to this bullpen. And Adam Adovino is a guy I love, and that's a guy you can kind of use whenever. You don't have to use him in the ninth. You could use him in the sixth. You could use him in the fifth. He's like an Andrew Miller type. Right, exactly. And you've used him earlier in games because the rest of that bullpen is just so dominant, and the Mets just don't have that luxury, and they're depending on their starters for a lot. And granted, it's a really talented group, one of the most talented rotations in baseball, but that's a lot to ask of your starting pitchers to sit there and say, hey, I need six or seven innings out of you every single night because that's just not realistic anymore. So the Mets 32 and 33, five off the pace, surprisingly, in the National League East. I always look at it as get to 500, then start pushing. So this is an opportunity for the Mets to really work themselves back into the race. Yankees at 40 and 24, tied with the Rays for first in the American League East. And you can point to a number of unsung heroes for the Yankees to get to this point of the season. Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton have missed about 60-70% of the way. Giancarlo Stanton has only played three games, both of them on the way back. You've missed substantial time from Didi Gregorius, who just came back and started producing off the bat in Cleveland. Uh, Luis Severino hasn't pitched a game this year. Dallin Batantis hasn't pitched a game this year. The likes of Gio Urshela, you never expected him to factor in, hitting 310. DJ LeMahieu, a great offseason acquisition by Brian Cashman. And Domingo Herman in the rotation, despite just going on the IL, tied for the league lead with nine wins. You never saw that coming. So what I asked you with what you'd want the Mets to improve and what you'd highlight, I think you'd agree starting pitching for the Yankees right now is a serious area of concern, although they're 16 games over 500. But I, I think it's also, you know, you watch Moneyball, you know that scene where he says, I have uptown problems, which aren't problems <laughs> at all. The Yankees need one or two arms in the rotation, especially if you go out and get a guy like Bumgarner, that's more than sufficient. And we talked, we had Mark Feinsand on one-on-one the other day, and he said, I really don't think the Yankees are going to go after Bumgarner, which surprised me a little bit because... That just, it, it almost makes too much sense. You know? It does. He's a guy who's out there. He's got a great playoff pedigree. I think he's a change of scenery from being back to that pitcher that he was in 2012 or 2014 when he was just dominant and you could give him the ball in game one of a playoff series. The Yankees need, like, one arm. The Mets need, if you look at their bullpen, they need two or three really good dominant relievers because that's just not what they have right now. And that's, to me, that's more of an ownership and a front office problem because Edwin Diaz is a guy who's been – pretty good but he's given up some big hits like late in games like he's given up there was a week in 
from April going into May where he gave up two game-winning home runs. You can't you He's can't blown games that. at inopportune times this season, right. even though he's been very steady. So his mistakes part. have been magnified, so his numbers look better than what the narrative probably has been. Cano has been a mess. He's hitting 240. He's got three home runs. Adani Echeverria has literally been better than him like when in the lineup, not even kidding. And you look at the Mets lineup today, and we talked about this before the season. The Mets are a team that could be significantly aided by a National League DH. Alonzo and Smith in the same lineup with Smith playing first base gives the Mets so many options. If Cano was healthy and productive, that would be an extremely fearful Mets lineup going into Yankee Stadium tonight. They have a lot of talent up and down that order. There have just been a lot of guys you just haven't seen. Cano's been non-existent. Cano's been hurt. Jed Lowry has not played a game this season. So a lot of things you expected to go right for the Mets have gone wrong. And you don't credit all of this to health because the Mets have only had a couple guys go on the injured list. But Robinson Cano has really been an Achilles heel for the Mets. It really has. And you talked about the lineup, and I think it's interesting with the DH. And because you put Pete Alonso at DH tonight, he's not playing first tonight, you put Smith at first. And because Smith is at first instead of playing left where he has been, you put J.D. Davis in left. He's a guy I really like. Good hitter, talented. Should be in the lineup. Should be in the lineup. You know, exit velocity off the charts. You know, earlier in the season, he was playing a lot better than Frazier. Now Frazier has come back and played really well over the past two or three weeks or so, so he has to stay in the lineup. So Frazier stays at third, and then you bring a guy like Jeff McNeil who can play the outfield, but maybe you don't want that, or maybe he'd play third. Now you put him at second in place of Robinson Cano. I mean, one through eight, this is a really good lineup. Juan Lagares is hitting ninth because, you know, you have to play three outfielders, but... It's that's a talented lineup, and like you said, you know, a universal DH. I thought about this even before the season would really help the Mets because they were going to have. I, I factored Jed Lowry into the equation, which obviously has not been a problem so far. But you were going to need, you were going to have an extra guy no matter what. So, depending on who was weakest defensively or who needed a day off, because I remember Joe Girardi doing that on the Yankees, you would just put them at DH, and that that's what's really helped the Mets. But you know, this lineup is is actually, it's legit, as opposed to playing Carlos Gomez or Dani Echeverria, which you just don't want to be doing. And the offense hasn't been the problem for a lot of this Mets season. They've been able to put up sufficient production. And I'd say for the Mets, which we've analyzed so far, starting pitching consistency beyond Jason Vargas right now, because the, he wasn't the guy you were expecting to receive production from, quite frankly, especially after the first month of the season. DeGrom, Syndergaard have to be DeGrom and Syndergaard. Wheeler has to be second half of last year, Zach Wheeler. Steven Matz needs to be at least a serviceable option. For the Yankees on their side, with Herman now shelved, CeCe Sabathia is continuing knee problems. You know he'll have a couple more IL stints built into the rest of his season. James Paxton, although he's looked like an ace when healthy, and the guy the Yankees acquired, He's going to be battling a knee problem for the remainder of the year. Tanaka is always a question with his elbow. When will that ever give out? It hasn't been a problem now, but it's always a problem. You're holding your breath every time you're he holding your a breath. Luis Severino, you don't know. One more setback, you may not see Luis Severino for the remainder of this year. So when you put it that way with the Yankees rotation, you're not looking at one guy as, wow, I can count on this guy for the remainder of the season. So I expect the Yankees to go out and get someone. It may not be Madison Bumgarner. It probably should be Madison Bumgarner. But they need to get someone to feel very good about their World Series chances this year because the offense is going to be lethal with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton back. The bullpen already is lethal. The starting rotation, probably a pitcher away from supplementing James Paxton with another ace. I kind of wanted to ask you about this because I was expecting, I really was expecting the Yankees to get Keuchel, not only based on the reporting, but just because of the fit. I thought it made a lot of sense for him to come in, almost kind of be a back end of the rotation guy and come in and really supplement the rest of those arms. But... I don't know how surprised you were that they weren't able to get him because, you know, he's a guy I thought he would have made a lot of sense, and I think he's going to be really good for the Braves, but 
I mean, I kind of just wanted to get your thoughts on that because I wasn't exactly sure. I wasn't surprised they didn't get him, Jimmy. I was surprised they got outbid by $1 million. I was very surprised that the Yankees, you know, when you're in those type of negotiations, you normally get the final number before you end up, like Brian Cashman's got to have an ongoing conversation, and then he knows what the final figure is from the Atlanta Braves, and then you can submit your final offer. If he knew he was only getting outbid by $1 million, that baffles me a little bit for the New York Yankees, because that's not $1 million that the New York Yankees need. And especially at this stage of the season, you look at that 2-4 and four road trip that they're coming off of, which they were bound to have a little bit of a blip here and there. A big problem with starting pitching length. Keuchel, above all else, he's not an ace that he once was. He's not a guy who you can sure fire put on the mound in game one of a playoff series. But he represents stability. Yeah. He's a guy who, if he pitched the entire season, could give you 200 innings, a 3-5 ERA, slide into that Yankee rotation. Even if he has a bad start, he could go eight innings and spell the bullpen a day. And this could end up being a recurring problem for the Yankees where they have to go five innings out of their bullpen every day. And you don't want that come August and September. You'd rather have the insurance policy. So I thought Keuchel was a very... <laughs> almost an inflated insurance policy because he's such a good pitcher. And I was a little surprised the Yankees didn't at least match the Braves with what they were giving. If the Yankees got outbid by $7 million, I would have said, hey, leave Keiko, get someone else. But $1 million? That kind of struck a chord with and, me. And I, I would really expect it, you know, with the Yankees and the Braves for it to be the other way around, where right. the Yankees are outbidding <laughs> the Braves, right? I mean, that, the, Yankees the Braves usually, are a smaller market team. The Yankees usually don't get in a fuss over $1 million. No, I mean, because, I mean, this is an organization that has given out huge contracts over the entire history, especially over the last 40 years. They've they submitted given out, to Giancarlo Stanton's $325 million. Oh, yeah. They've given up massive contracts to guys. And not that they're bad or anything, but they, they are willing to give out that money. Um, but yeah, I was, I was surprised to see that. Um, I don't know how much it's going to come back to bite the Yankees per se. Um, I always think, and part of this is of my belief of following the Mets all my life, that you can never have enough pitching depth because we've seen it with any team you want to name, you know, guys get hurt, guys go down. You say, well, you know, this guy's going to fill this slot. Well, you don't know because he could be hurt. So I think that that's a move that that might come back to haunt the Yankees. I I really believe that. I don't want to exaggerate because the Yankees are really good, and to me, they're them and the Dodgers are the two best teams in baseball right now. But I think that's something that needs to be addressed and paid attention to. That's a fair assessment, just because it'll come back to bite them if they don't do something else. If yeah. they don't end up getting a guy ahead of July thirty first who can really help this rotation. The Yankees for the last couple of years, 2017, they were a really feel-good story. I'll give them a pass on not winning the World Series that year. 2018, they won 100 games, and they were basically outlasted by a juggernaut in the Boston Red Sox and their arch rivals. You don't give them a pass on that year. 2019 has to be a year where the Yankees are essentially the last man standing. So the Yankees have operating on question marks a little bit too much the last two years within the rotation. If you look at the rotations at face value the last couple of years, whether it be a CeCe Sabathia or a Masahiro Tanaka or a Luis Severino or a Jay Happ, it looks really good on paper. And the Yankees have ranked top five in the American League in each of those years in starting pitching ERA. But come playoff time, it's always been that one difference maker that has come back to bite them. Whether it be Nathan Avaldi with the Red Sox last year, who absolutely stonewalled them and the Yankees could have had him. The year before, Justin Verlander. Getting Sonny Gray instead of Justin Verlander yeah. cost them the 2017 World Series. So the Yankees need to do something. And I think it'll be the Keiko move that comes back to bite them if they don't end up adding a similar guy like a Madison Bumgarner, who basically is Keiko right now, but with a better postseason track record. Is it 
for the Yankees, is there anything else that you're looking at to address to say other than starting pitching, which which I think is obvious for everybody that they need like one more front line arm. But I mean, the bullpen's great. The lineup's getting reinforcements. I mean, for the Yankees, I really believe this lineup. It's kind of like signing free agents midseason. It is getting like Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, and all these other guys back. When you get them back healthy, and, and assuming they're able to hit the ground running, which I think they should be able to, that's like that. It's, that's adding to your team. That's adding to a team that's already forty and twenty-four, like you said <laughs> right now. It's just silly to think about that they've done this with guys like, like you said, Gio Urshela, and you know some of these other reserves that Cameron Maben, Clint Frazier. I mean, Clint Frazier's Tyro Estrada. Tyro Estrada. Yeah, Tyro hits one to Cairo. I mean, <laughs> it, it's really, it's just really incredible to think about that they can sustain all these injuries. And that first month of the season, I thought that like the Yankees became the Mets with all the injuries, right. and yet they still tread water, and they're now in first place. And it was on the Yankees to ride or die at that point of the season, really. It, well, with the amount of injuries they had, they easily could have reverted to a 500 team. And I'm sure a lot of fans expected, come this point of the season, June 10th, going to play the New York Mets in the Subway Series, the Yankees would be hovering around 500. They could have easily been the Cleveland Indians. Exactly. Staying afloat until some of these guys got back and still been a contender in the American League East and for the American League wildcard. But they far exceeded that. You mentioned some of the unsung heroes that have come up and gotten the job done day in, day out, whether it be in the starting rotation or the lineup. I would sound like kind of one of those snobby Yankee guys to say they need something else in the lineup because they really don't. Giancarlo Stanton's going to be an amazing add. Aaron Judge is a top 10 player in baseball. When healthy, Aaron Hicks is back in there. Now he's producing Didi Gregorius right off the bat. He I has know. like a That's 1,800 insane. OPS through his first weekend of action. DJ LeMahieu has been amazing. Everything they could have asked for and more. Luke Voigt is no fluke. He's probably headed to the All-Star game this year. Gary Sanchez is 2017 Gary Sanchez reincarnated and then some. So the lineup's going to be filthy. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The bullpen is already filthy. And I can't complain with the bullpen whatsoever. They had an off day on Sunday. Tommy Canely has refound his 2017 form. Zach Britton has refound his 2016-2017 Zach Britton form. Aroldis Chapman is Aroldis Chapman. And... Adam Adovino has been better than last year. So you couple in guys like Chad Green and Jonathan Holder who are having off years but have a very high ceiling and they could potentially turn it around, you're looking at a bullpen that's potentially five or six elite relievers deep. So I can't say beyond a starting pitcher or two that the Yankees need anything else at this point. I I also think, and this might be a little bit of a hot take, aside from Machado and maybe Bryce Harper, I think LeMahieu was the best signing of the offseason. Because that is a guy, he was a professional hitter, uh, was up there for Silver Slugger pretty much every year at, at second base when he played for the Rockies. And you know, he he's just, he's not the type of hitter in today's game with a launch angle and a ton of power, but he'll, he's got pop and he just, he's so consistent. And, you know, you, I saw the Rockies this past weekend, they didn't have him in that lineup and it just makes such a difference. He's such a difference maker in the lineup. It's hard to describe. And I, I love you know the stats and the event stats, and but there are some guys that you just can't quantify their impact. Jeff McNeil is one with the Mets that that I get to cover, and I think DJ LeMahieu is another because he's such a good hitter, he's so smart, and he's just such a stabilizing force, kind of in the middle of that lineup. That he's not the traditional power hitter per se, but he's going to get on base and he's going to be consistent as anything. And he's going to really, really help your team. He's a pro's pro. For and sure. And he's a postseason difference maker for the Yankees. With runners in scoring position, he kind of has that gene where he can come up and get the job done. I know you'll say that runners in scoring position statistics are kind of arbitrary. They're year-to-year statistics. But DJ LeMay, who does have that kind of approach that plays to those situations. 
up the middle, right center field, get a base hit, dunk one in when you need it. And his average with runners in scoring position has backed it up this year. He's hitting 491 to lead baseball. It's almost ridiculous. He's on pace for about 110 RBIs. And that's ridiculous out of a guy who's been leading off games for the Yankees day in and day out. So when the opportunity's been there for him, he has thrived. I love the Lemayhew pickup, and it's a guy who the Yankees lacked last year. He's almost what Michael Brantley has been to the Houston Astros, to the New York Yankees. He's that pickup they absolutely needed. An all-or-nothing team last year has turned into a well-balanced lineup this year. And he also was a guy, he wasn't even supposed to play every day. And I mean, four or five times, maybe. Yeah, he now was, he's turned into he an everyday gonna, guy. They were going to figure him out, you know, four times a week. They were going to get him in the lineup, and they would kind of figure things out based on injuries. And now he's got to play every day. If Didi was healthy to start the year and he didn't have Tommy John last year, they would have had a lot of trouble finding Lemayhew at bats. Yeah, but now they'll just stick him at third because Andujar's gone, and he's probably a better option, I think, hitting than Urshela right now. <laughs> that's a guy. As we much as I love Urshela, that's a guy we did not mention. Miguel Andujar being out for the year, and that's another piece of adversity the Yankees have had to face the runner the runner up for the rookie of the year award last year is not in the lineup every day he's going to be gone for the season but not too many people were all that upset about it because what DJ LeMahieu has been able to provide the feel good story of Gio Urshela all this stuff has been able to plug the hole and now the Yankees are almost looking at too much infield depth with Urshela LeMahieu Didi Torres Voigt and dare I say, Kendrick Morales, who is another story. The Yankees fans can't get him out of town eh, fast enough. You know, let's just leave it at those guys you <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so Tuesday, Paxton Wheeler. Wheeler's been a little bit unsteady considering that he was a guy who really turned into an ace of that staff along with DeGrom in the second half of last year. James Paxton has been sensational at home. He has an ERA sub one at Yankee Stadium this year an ERA above seven on the road. So Paxson has been very good at home. You expect him to turn into good outing. Zach Wheeler, we'll see. He's another X factor for that Mets rotation, Jimmy. He, he is, and he turned it on. His first half last year and his first half this year, really very similar. He's inconsistent, talented guy. Uh, he's figured out the command, I think, which is the biggest thing for him. So that's why I don't worry about him too much. But there's a legitimate question to be asked. You know, first half of 2018 and first half of 2019, because the numbers are really similar. Versus second half of 2018. You know, which Zach Wheeler is it? Uh, and I think that's a legitimate question, and that's one, to be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure. And and even between starts, you know, he's been inconsistent. You've seen flashes of brilliance from Zach Wheeler, and you've seen some some really tough outings. He had one earlier in the season against Washington. He only went four innings. I think he gave up seven runs. So it's tough for him to patch it all together. It's tough for him to be consistent. Uh, that The second half of last year was the first time he really found that consistency. And it's a fair question to ask, you know, will he ever find it? I think Matt's is kind of in the same boat. Steven Matt's, up until this recent run by Jason Vargas, was really the Mets' best pitcher uh, in the first half of the season. So he's another interesting guy for me to watch. But Wheeler, it's just a matter of finding the consistency with him. He sure as heck has the stuff. It's just a matter of putting it together, making sure he keeps that command, and also just missing bats on a consistent basis. Jimmy, before we part and we head over to Yankee Stadium for the Subway Series, which should be an exciting couple of days, this Mets team, as currently constructed, are they a playoff contender? No. No. Um, I don't think so because you know, my snap reaction was no. They don't have enough talent, I don't think, to make it to the playoffs right now. I think they can squeak their way into a race because the National League is just so all over the place right now. They're only a couple games back in the wild card. They're only, as you said, six games back in the division. The I Phillies, think they're going to be there the entire year. They're going to kind of be there. I just don't. 
frankly, I just don't think they're good enough. Um, and I think that bullpen is going to lose them too many games down the stretch. I think that's huge. They got a bunch of games against the division coming up. They haven't seen that much of Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure they have 12 or 13 left with the Phillies. So those 13 games huge. are going to be huge. They've got a bunch more left with Atlanta. I think they've only played Atlanta once, so they should have 14 or 15 left with Atlanta. So they're going to have their chances. I just think with standing pat, I mean, you look at the Phillies got Jay Bruce. He's been raking for them, which is crazy. I don't think he's going to sustain that. The Braves got Dallas Keuchel. The Mets have really stood pat throughout all this. They're going to be in that purgatory. Are we buyers? Are we sellers? And it's, it's going to be tough for them. The next month is going to be kind of big for them as well. I just don't think there's enough talent on this roster especially the way it's performed so far this season, that they're going to be able to sustain a, a run of ripping together a bunch of wins and maybe getting into a second wild card spot. I just don't see that, especially in the National League, where I think there are a bunch of teams that are better than they are. But you know, with Brody Van Wagenen's mindset entering the year and the unwavering faith he's had in Mickey Calloway, the fact that Calloway's still the manager shows a lot is if they're within striking distance in the waning days of July, the Mets are probably going to be a buyer. And... I'm not sure to what extent buying means for that front office, considering what they've had to face, but you can you can bet that the Mets are going to be buyers come the waning days of July if they are within five games of that National League East or National League wildcard. The Yankees, we know what they are. They are an elite baseball team. It's going to be a matter of whether they can actually fend off a juggernaut that's become the Tampa Bay Rays in the American League East. It's division or bust for the Yankees this year. Everyone in the Bronx does not want to see another wild card game, and the Yankees do want to be the last team standing this year after a couple of years of coming out so close. So should be an exciting series. Jimmy, any final thoughts? No, I, I think it is going to be interesting for the Mets and for the Yankees, as you said. I mean, the, the Yankees, people don't talk about it enough, like you said, are in a race with the Rays. And the Rays are very legit. They're very good. And I think the Rays are going to give them a challenge. I think people stretch. underrate that. People really underrate the Rays. They're a really talented team. Austin Meadows is a legitimate MVP candidate. The way he's hit, he's been awesome. But I think it's a, it's a portrait of two teams that are kind of in different places right now. You know, the Mets are riding their best pitcher, Jason Vargas, just like we all thought before the season. <laughs> and the Yankees sort of have this... A group of just really talented guys and they've got a great bullpen and the starting rotation for as much as we talked about it really isn't that bad it's just one frontline guy away from being really good like the rest of their roster and it's just a really deep talented team and that's kind of what the Mets are trying to build towards with Brody Van Wagenen so it's an interesting portrait of two franchises in kind of different places right now game one of two tonight Yankees and Mets until next time, this has been the Nosebleeds podcast presented by WFUV Sports Subway Series Preview Edition.